Have you ever, have, have you ever made a rule to keep you from breaking another rule? Anyone? Okay. Like my mom in my house that I grew up in, we weren't allowed to say certain words because they sounded too much like other certain words. For example, we could not say gosh because that sounded too much like God and we might take God's name in vain so you couldn't say gosh. So then I heard a friend say geez and I said geez and mom said no, that sounds like Jesus, you can't say that. And then she said we couldn't say darn because that was too much like a cuss word and she couldn't have her kids you know, taking the Lord's name in vain or cussing. So, so we learned to modify our behavior to please our mama. Now, I was thinking about this sermon and I asked Rachel the other day, I said, hey, Rachel, what were the words that we wouldn't allow y'all to say when you were a kid? And it wasn't because they sounded like other words. It's just because it made them sound like bratty kids. And Rachel immediately said, shut up, stupid, and what the? And I was like, why are they even saying what the? But we made a rule because we thought that, I mean, if your kids said those things, I'm sorry, that's just bratty. And so we didn't let our kids do that because we thought that was bratty. But on their 13th birthday, we heard so much, shut up, stupid. All of their brattiness came out. And I looked at Janie and I said, what the? No, I didn't really. I didn't say that. I did not. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Uh, I don't talk like that. Um, but we were so proud of all this brattiness that just came oozing out of our children at 13. And so all of our, all of our hard work of modifying their behavior did not stick um, when they were 13 years old. I grew up in a church um, that didn't allow women to wear pants because, I don't know, they never told us why women couldn't wear pants in that church. We eventually left that church before I found out. That church and then another church I went to, the youth camps that we would go to in the summer, you were not allowed to wear shorts in the heat of the summer. I mean, it was, it was horribly hot. And, and by, by shorts, I mean nothing above the ankle because some, some fundamentalist deacon somewhere struggled with women's ankles and he had less problems with that. So he projected that on us. We can't see those things. And, you know, so cover up those ankles. That's what I mean by no, uh, no shorts. See, my church that I was in and, and the youth camp we went to, they were into something called behavior modification. And that means making rules so that you are so far away from the original rule that you won't break the original rule, right? It sounds like a good plan, but I don't think it works that well. At that youth camp, they also forbade us from mixed bathing, they meant swimming, but they called it bathing. And we're like, you're the dumbest people ever. Of course, we're not going to take baths together. No mixed bathing. And so it was so serious that, that the swimming pool was right smack in the middle of the youth camp. And so they were so worried about us looking at, at girls in their swimming suits and, and lusting that they would take all the sponsors of the women, the women sponsors would stand on the outside with their back to the swimming pool and try to catch you looking at the girls between them. <laughs> I'm, I am not making this up. And I think, I, I said the first service, I think they did it for the guys. I think they didn't care if the guys, you know, if the girls lusted after the guys. But man, they made sure, don't you do that. See, if you wanted to go to that youth camp, you had to follow their rules. You had to modify your behavior to fit underneath their rules. And if you wanted to go to certain churches, you had to follow their rules. And this didn't, wasn't just in church, though. This was in my house. You know, I told you about my mom. There were certain things you just didn't do because you didn't want to face the wrath of Bess Washburn. I got two older brothers, and there was just stuff we would not do. Now, I was an observer, and so I would learn from their behavior, and I would do different things. See, because if you thought mom was going to find out, or if you thought there was any way she was going to be near, you wouldn't do it because it just wasn't worth it. But, but if we thought she wasn't going to find out, we would try stuff, and we all, she always found out. We always got caught. I don't know how, until I became a 
parent, and then God tells parents stuff, right? You know, you know when your kids, we used to tell our kids that God's gonna show us, and we would pray. God, if our kids are doing something wrong, we pray they'll get caught. You'll spare their lives. And, and sometimes in the middle of the night, God would wake Janie or me up, and they would tell us something. We'd go, we'd tell Caleb, hey, you're doing this, and he'd go, how'd you know? Who told you? I said, God, you know? He, and he, the other day, he said, man, I don't know how that, that worked, but I was scared of God. <clears throat> See, here's the deal. Most of us learned how to modify our behavior at a young age, right? You learned it was important to modify your behavior in order to get along. So like at school, if you said the right thing at the right time, you're rewarded. If you don't say the right thing at the right time, if you say the wrong thing at the wrong time, you're, you're punished, right? So like we got these six-week um, um, report cards and, and we had this little column called citizenship, there's only two things you could get for citizenship. You could get an S for satisfactory or you could get a U for unsatisfactory. I was in sixth grade before I ever got an S, before I ever got a satisfactory because I talked to everybody. Didn't matter where they put me. They put me in the corner and I'm talking to somebody other day, rich kids, poor kids. It didn't matter, girls, boys. They tried everything and I just couldn't keep my mouth shut until sixth grade, I finally got an S and my mama was so proud, you're satisfactory, son. <laughs> my grades were great, but my citizenship was not. It didn't just happen in school, though. In grade school, it continued all the way up through college, dating, marriage, even churches and businesses. And see, we get pretty good at modifying our behavior based on the people we're around. But every now and then, something comes out that was not planned, and everybody in whatever group we're in disapproves. And if what comes out is bad enough, it can end a relationship. It can end a friendship. It can end a marriage. It can end a business. What comes out wasn't planned. And see, we can apologize and we do. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. And if we're a Christian, we go a step further and say, will you forgive me for what happened? And we promise we'll do better in the future. We'll not, we'll not do it again in the future. But we know that if the circumstances are right in the future, we're going to do the same thing we did to you before. See, I don't think modifying our behavior works. If it doesn't keep us from sinning, maybe, maybe behavior is not what we should be monitoring. The Bible tells us there's something else that we should monitor, and this other thing influences all of our life, everything we do and say. But no one ever taught us how to, how to monitor this thing, and so we don't do it, and, and that's a huge mistake. Now, I don't know if this ever happened to you. When I was reading the scripture, a lot of times when I'm reading the scripture, I'll read something, and it'll jump out of me and I'll think, that can't be right. That's not what that said. And so I'll read it again. And sure enough, it's exactly, it said exactly what I thought it said. And I'm like, Ugh. see, in this series, this is just the introductory message today. But in this series, um, you're going you're gonna to be tempted to think, Jesus didn't mean that, Doug. You're misinterpreting the scriptures. See, when you, when you read the scripture and it very clearly says something and you go, Jesus didn't mean that either, you're saying Jesus didn't know what he's talking about, which should make you uncomfortable even think that. Or there's something else in those verses that you don't understand yet. And since, since I make my living assuming that Jesus always knew what he was talking about, I'm gonna suggest we go with plan B. Let's assume there's something in these verses that we don't understand yet that God needs to bring to our mind. Now, in this passage, it's in Matthew chapter 15, and I'll tell you about the first part. 
the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law come to Jesus and they begin to ask him questions. They are not asking for information. They are asking for accusation. They are accusing him of something. Jesus knows it and, and they know it very well. They're accusing him of neglecting or violating the dun, 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 the tradition of the elders. Did you, did you get how important this dun, 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 I can't, I have to have sound effects and I have to capitalize it because you need to understand in the Jewish, I'm not making this up either, in the Jewish culture of that day to dun, 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 violate the tradition of the elders is just about the worst thing you could do. So they come to Jesus and, and they're, they're, they're accusing him of this. Now you need to understand by the time Jesus walks the earth, 500 extra laws have been added to the law that God gave to Moses, the laws that God gave to Moses, and, and that's what we're calling this the tradition of the elders. And the sole purpose of this tradition of the elders was to prevent the Jewish people from accidentally violating another rule. So they made rules to keep them from violating other rules. And if you wanted to be accepted in Jewish circles, then you had to obey their rules. You had to modify your behavior to fit their rules. Now Jesus comes along and Jesus did everything God ever said to do in, in God's law, but he went out of his way to violate the man-made laws and this ticked off the Pharisees and the religious leaders. On this particular occasion, we talked about this a few weeks ago, a few months ago, they're, they're accusing Jesus of not washing his hands properly before he eats the meal. Why do you and your, your disciples not wash your hands properly? Had nothing to do with cleanliness, it had everything to do with ceremonially, ceremonially being clean. And so the idea was, if you wash your hands and it had to, the water had to go in a certain way and it had to drip off, it couldn't drip on you because then you'd be unclean, you'd have to do it all over again. You had to wash your hands in a certain way. It would, the idea was to keep the, the Jewish person from, from putting something in their body that was unclean or from, from putting something in their body that had touched something unclean. And, and so, <laughs> so they made up this rule to keep people from breaking that rule. Now, they go to Jesus and they say, how dare you and your disciples violate the tradition of the elders by not washing your hands properly? You're violating the tradition of the elders. And Jesus said, how dare you violate the laws of God to keep the tradition of the elders? And they're shocked. How dare you say we violate? Well, then Jesus shows them exactly how they violated it. They're humiliated. They kind of walk off with their, their tails between their legs. But because they're not very smart, they're going to come back for more humiliation later. Now, while they're gone, in the meantime, Jesus' disciples said... Tell us what you mean. This is verse 17. Jesus says, don't you see that whatever enters the person's mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? Man, this was, this was deep spiritual stuff right here. I mean, Jesus said, whatever you eat is going somewhere. Do you think anybody other than, than Matthew wrote that one down? That, what you eat doesn't stay in your stomach, right? Okay, I don't need to go any further. Okay, just checking. I, I didn't know. First service laughed a lot sooner than you guys did, so I don't know. I don't know. That's not very noteworthy, but what Jesus says next is, verse 18, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from where? The heart, and those things that come from the heart, that's what defile them. So God isn't nearly concerned, Jesus is saying, with what we put into our mouth, he's much more concerned with what comes out of our mouth. And this was radical teaching because the Jews were extremely cautious about what went into their mouth because they didn't wanna be unclean before God. Now Jesus says, God is so much more offended by what comes out of your mouth than what goes in. So according to Jesus, your words come from your heart. 
First thing on your listening guide, or second thing. Your words come from your heart. Has there ever been a time that you said something you wish you could take back? Anyone besides me? Okay, there's a few of us. So you blurted it out in the heat of the moment. You said something, you went, I don't even know where that came from. And Jesus said, I do. Came from your heart. He says, your words are responsible. Your heart is responsible for your words. Okay, so we're going to do something. I'm going I'm to read something, and we're going to play this little game. So Jesus said that everything that comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. And I'm going to say the word everything with a question mark. Everything. And you're going to say everything with an exclamation point. You're not going to go everything. You're going to say everything. They need to hear this on Facebook, right? Okay, so I'm going to read the long sentence, and then I'm going to say everything. And you're going to say what? Everything. Dude, y'all are good. I set it up well. Woo-hoo. Jesus said that everything that comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. Everything? Everything. Sweet. Okay, we're going to keep this going because y'all are so good at it. So now I'm going to say, did Jesus really mean that? And you're going to say yes with an exclamation point. Did Jesus really mean that? Yes. Oh, y'all are awesome. So now I'm going to read you one more question. You're going to say no with an exclamation point. I'm going to say, did Jesus ever say anything he didn't mean? You're going to say no. Did Jesus ever say anything he didn't mean? No. All right, let's do it all, the whole thing. We got it. We rehearsed. We're ready for Palestine Community Theater right now. Jesus said everything that comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. Everything? Everything. Did Jesus mean that? Yes. Did Jesus ever say anything he didn't mean? No. Then, uh uh-oh, yeah, thank you. (laughs) That's some tough teaching. Everything that comes out of my mouth, that comes out of your mouth, Everything comes from your heart. That's tough, but don't relax because it's about to get tougher. Jesus said, not only is your heart responsible for everything that comes out of your mouth, all your words, he said, it's also your actions. Look at verses 19 and 20. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Wait, 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 wait. Jesus didn't mean that. I thought my thoughts came from my mind. No, Jesus says it's much deeper than that. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. So Jesus just told us that that your words come from your heart, but now he's saying your actions come from your heart. It goes much deeper than your mind. These, These horrible actions come out because they were in your heart long before they were ever in your mind long before they were ever in, in your mouth. And, and you've all said, even though we try to monitor our behavior, sometimes stuff happens and stuff comes out we don't like. We've all said that, right? Maybe you've heard this one. I've heard this more than once in my time in ministry. He's not the man I fell in love with. Something happened and he changed overnight. He used to be so kind. He used to say the sweetest things. He used to do the sweetest things, but not anymore. He changed. It's like I'm living with a stranger. I don't know where this came from. And Jesus would say, came from his heart. He was just covering it up. He had a good filter. All you have to do to find out what is in a person's heart is listen to what they say, observe their behavior, and their heart will be on full display. Now, in this series, I I want you to take responsibility for what's happening in your life. So when you say something mean over these next five weeks or you do something mean, I want you to be honest enough to say, That came from my heart. And some of you are thinking, Jesus, lighten up. Doug, lighten up. I don't usually talk like that. I don't usually do those things. And Jesus would say, the reason you don't usually do them is because you developed this pretty good filter. 
but it's in there and it's going to come out. Now, in this series, I don't think I'm going to get a whole lot of amens, all right, because this is going to be very personal. Um, we're not going to hear, I'm not going to hear a bunch of, that's right, come on, preacher. Uh, I'm not going to hear, I know that's right, baby, and I need to explain to you where that came from. Somebody don't know this. Several years ago, we were at Walmart, we were handing out free food. We just, we called it Be the Church, and so we went and handed out free food. There's this lady, I'll never forget, she pulls up in this, in the suburban, white suburban, and she gets out and she goes, is it really free? I said, yes, ma'am, it's free. As much as I want. Yes, ma'am. And I looked in the suburban and there's probably eight or nine kids. I don't even remember. I mean, there's kids hanging out the window, literally hanging out the window. We want free food. You know, she said, so as much as they want, I said, ma'am, let me help you. So I start going over and we start handing kids and they're eating and we're handing more food. And she said, how come you're giving out free food? And I said, well, God has blessed our church and we want to be a blessing to people around. She goes, I know that's right, baby. So people say that. You'll hear that from time to time. People will say that. I don't think you're going to hear that over the next four weeks in this, in this series because this is going to be intensely personal. So maybe you could say, ouch. If the Holy Spirit convicts you, it's okay for these next four weeks to go, ow. And we'll know that God just spoke to you. You think that's funny, Lucas? That was pretty funny. You're the only one that got it, though. See, have you ever said, I'll never say it again, only to say it again? Have you ever said, I'll never do it again, only to do it again? I'll, oh, thank you. First one. I need, a, I need a ticker. Keith, can you, you do the little counter up there? One, ouch. Jesus would say, if you've ever said it, and I'll never do it again, and you do it or say it, he'd say the filter is not the problem. Your heart is the problem. Jesus says, you're going to do it again because you've not learned to monitor your heart. And what is in your heart is going to leak out or it's going to burst out into all of your relationships. Something or someone is going to squeeze you. And what is in your heart is going to come out. Now, if you're dating or you're engaged to someone and you say, because this is where this is coming from. Janie actually told me this. There was a guy that proposed her years ago. She cried all night thinking this was the best proposal she was going to get. She tested the Lord. She said, Lord, I'm going to say this. And if he says this, then I'm going to know it's of you. And if he says this, then I'm going to know it's not of you. And I'm going, oh, dear God, <laughs> we almost never got married, baby. Um, but the Lord was faithful. But, but this guy would abuse her, tell her she was fat, that she was ugly, and no one would ever love her. And I said, why did you put up with that? And she said, because the good times were so good, these bad times, I just overlooked them. So, so if, if you're dating or engaged and you say most of the time he or she's awesome, we have a great time, but then boom, there are times when this explosion happens and these extremely angry words come out and the look in his or her eyes is just almost demonic. I don't know where that came from. It came from their heart. And can I tell you, when you marry somebody, they bring their heart into the marriage. And in marriage, over time, the filters seem to weaken and become less reliable. Right, married people? Some of you are giggling. Right? You, you don't, yes, thank you. You don't become more, the filters are less reliable the longer you're married. Ask these people. So, so if your fiance has occasional outbursts of extreme anger, extreme words, what do you think you can expect in your relationship after you say, I do? 
much more of that. That's just free advice today. Jesus wants us to know that when there are evil thoughts in our mind, it starts in our heart. And some of you are thinking, stop it, Doug, you're killing my self-esteem. My mama said there's nothing wrong with me. My mama told me over and over and over again, you're a good boy, you're a good boy, you're a good boy. Jesus would say, your mama's lying to you. You are not a good boy. You're an evil boy. You have evil in your heart, and what you need is surgery to change your heart. Give me a pure heart, oh God. See, if you, if you have evil thoughts, whether you express them or not, it means you have evil in your heart. Out of the overflow of the heart come evil thoughts, is what Jesus said. And the first one he mentions is murder. Murder comes from the heart? You better believe it does. Who do police interview first after a murder has been committed? Very first. Spouse, wife. Somebody said wife. It's always the dude. They don't interview strangers first because most murders are committed by a family member or someone they know well. You see, inside of every murderer, there was evil in his or her heart that broke through this filter of thou shalt not murder, which everybody, including the murderer, agrees is a good filter. The murderer would say, don't, don't kill me, right? But there was evil, enough evil that it broke through and they committed murder. I want you to look at this list. This is what Jesus said comes out of your heart. Murder, adultery, lust, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. All of these actions are in there before they ever come out. And see, slander, that's just jealousy. It comes from jealousy. It's where, where I feel so badly about myself that I need to say something bad about you so that other people think more badly about you than they think about me, and that makes me feel better about me. Where's the focus? Me. The evil is in your heart. And, and if you have a good friend and you're, you're, you're mouthing about somebody else, it, it takes a good friend because a, a casual friend wouldn't do A good friend would say, maybe you shouldn't be talking like this. And you go, I know, I know, I need a better filter for my mouth. And Jesus says, nope, you need to monitor your heart. You have a heart issue. Now, I don't even know how many times I've heard this through the years. So I've been in ministry over 30 years. There have been these studies in the United States where they ask people, if you knew for certain you would not be uh, um, found guilty of a crime, would you, if you wouldn't get caught, would you commit a crime? And the majority of Americans every time say yes. Why is that? Jesus would say that's who they really are. It's what's in their hearts long before they do it. They've just developed a good enough filter to, to fool everybody. See, if you don't learn to monitor your heart, you will damage and ultimately destroy every relationship that you have. And this is on your listening guide. People who don't monitor their hearts always struggle with life. That's a universal truth. Now, a thousand years before Jesus was born, Solomon, who has been described as the wisest man who ever lived, before Jesus, of course, Here's what he says in Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, Solomon was considered the wise man because he prayed. I'm, I just started studying Solomon's life and he prays and asks God for wisdom. God gives him wisdom and he shows wisdom for a while and then he shows. So the, the guy I'm studying, he said, he said, Solomon was among the wisest fools to ever wear a crown because he starts off good and he ends bad. So it doesn't matter how good you start if you end bad. But anyway, 
While he was still doing well, here's what he says. Above all else, I'm going to write about a whole lot of things, but the number one priority, top of your list, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. You see, you, you live from your heart. You parent from your heart. You lead from your heart. You manage money from your heart. All of life, another translation says, all of life springs from your heart. And here we're commanded to guard our hearts, watch over our hearts, because the heart is the source of everything we do. So let me just give you this. At the beginning of the series, here's the, here's the definition. To guard your heart means monitor what goes in, monitor what comes out. So you were taught to behave. You were taught to monitor your behavior. You were not taught to monitor your heart. But Solomon said, it is more important than anything else in life. Above all else, guard your heart because all of life comes from it. Now, according to the Bible, and this is where we're headed in this series, there are some practices, there are some habits that you can develop that will allow you to protect your heart. And I don't mean you put walls around your heart. It, 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 it will allow you that, to recognize when someone hurts you and go, wow, that hurt, and it may hurt a lot. And you may cry, and you may say, oh man, this is horrible, this, this is killing me. But you say, I can't let that poison get in here. I can acknowledge I've been hurt, but I can't let the poison get inside because that's gonna get lodged in my heart and it's eventually going to come out. Um, now, for some of you, from the moment I've started talking, you've thought, my heart's fine, but his heart is jacked up. I'm so glad he's here. Or some of you are gonna go tag him on Facebook. This was so good, this was a blessing. You need to hear this. Did Solomon say to monitor your spouse's heart? Whose heart did he say to monitor? So you're on the front row, Tammy. Tammy, it, Solomon didn't command Tammy to monitor Gary's heart. He says, I know that's right, baby. <laughs> I'm not supposed to monitor Janie's heart. Janie's not supposed, I'm not supposed to monitor. Now, it doesn't mean you, you don't, you're not concerned about someone's heart, but I can only control me, my obedience to the Lord. And see, the, why this is such a big deal, Jeremiah tells us why this is such a big deal, to recognize your heart, monitor your heart. Jeremiah 17, 9, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, who can understand it? See, the idea here is that if without God's help, we become victims of what's in our heart, or victims of what somebody is in somebody else's heart, and God doesn't want you to be a victim. And it's so easy to see in others, right? You've seen it. When, when you say something to someone, they become defensive, sometimes violently defensive, and they, then they turn around, well, you're talking about me, what about you? And they point it back at you, and you can see it so well, and you, you say to yourself or you say to someone else, there's something wrong with them. For the next four weeks, I want you to identify what's wrong with you, not what's wrong with them. I can't take responsibility for your heart. You can't take responsibility for my heart. The scripture says learn to guard your heart. So we're gonna do that. So here's my question. Will you take responsibility for your heart? Not anyone else's. See, we're gonna look at four destructive emotions, guilt, anger, jealousy, and greed. Go ahead and put that up there, yeah that will damage your heart and will destroy your relationships. So I'm just gonna talk about greed for a minute because nobody in here is greedy. 
See, there's people in here, hang on, hang on. There's people in here that would say, I'm angry, I'm guilty, I'm jealous. But most people don't say, yeah, I'm greedy. They say, I'm careful. That's code language for greedy. Don't you say anything about me, Jeff. Jeff calls me cheap all the time. (laughs) But nobody here is greedy, so we'll talk about greed. The Bible clearly says the way to overcome greed is by giving. So you say to a greedy person, hey, do you want a generous heart? And they say, yes, Lord, I want a generous heart. God, make me a generous person. Give me a generous heart. And God says, will do. Write a check. (laughs) God, I don't even know what a check is. God says, open up your wallet. Okay, I don't carry cash. God says, you have a debit card? God says, transfer something from your kingdom to my kingdom. I can't do that. Why not? Because I'm greedy. And what you're really saying is, because God, I trust my money more than I trust you. Giving breaks the power of greed. Obedience to God brings freedom from this destructive emotion. And you say, I'm just not going to do that. Well, okay, just know that you're going to remain a greedy person. Greed's going to remain in your heart, and it's going to infect every relationship that you have. It's like the guy who went to the cardiologist, and the cardiologist said, you've got to control your food intake, and you've got to exercise, or you're going to die. The guy says, I can't do that. Why not? Because when I exercise, I breathe hard. I sweat. And I like food. I get hungry if I diet. I can't do that. Here's what needs to happen, doc. You fix my heart. Then I'll exercise. Then I'll worry about my food intake. And the doctor says, then you're going to die. See, a lot of you are going to say, every week when I bring stuff up, some of you are going to say that week, you're going to say, I can't do that. Why not? Because it's who I am. And you're actually implying that it's God's fault because he created you that way? There's a difference in habit and personality. Habits can be changed. Personality can't. If you don't know the difference, ask someone close to you. They'll tell you which one is which. And see, I'm not downplaying what's happened to you that has damaged your heart. If we had time, we'd go around this room and you would share your stories. This happens on Sunday nights a lot of times in our small groups. We started sharing stories and and I mean stuff where your your jaw, you're picking your jaw up off the ground saying, I can't believe that happened to you. You have every right to be angry. And if I could hear your story today, the rest of the church, they go, you have every right to be angry, bitter. I'd be bitter too if I went through what you went through. But according to God... You don't have to stay hurt, angry, lonely, tired, guilty, embarrassed, ashamed, bitter. You don't have to stay that way. He can set you free. But he will not do the work for you. There are some things you're going to have to do. You're going to have to make some choices. Every week in this series, you're going to have to choose to do something. And if you choose to obey God, it means you'll be set free. If you choose to disobey God, it means you'll remain in bondage. The choice is yours, not your spouse's, not your children's, not your neighbor. You see, because if there is guilt, anger, greed, jealousy in your heart, it means there is someone else in your life who is controlling you. You're allowing them to control you. And I just got to ask you today, how long do you intend to allow people who have hurt you to control you? I mean, pick a date. 
A year? Five years, 10 years, 50 years, how long? Because the people around you want to know, how long are you going to allow people who've hurt you to control you? You need a new heart. You need forgiveness. And here's the thing. The more damaged your heart is, the more wounded you are, the more you're going to resist what God tells you to do, and the more you're going to try to blame the people who damaged you. God not only commands you to guard your heart, he tells you how, and that's what we're going to discover. So as we begin this journey, if you're watching on Facebook or if you're in this room, I want you to bow your heads, and I'm going to ask you some questions about you, not your neighbor, not your spouse, not your children. Bow your heads, please, because I don't want you to be distracted. If you're on Facebook, play along with us. God wants you to focus for a minute because this is serious. Is everything okay with your heart? I've been studying this for a couple of months now and everybody I'm talking, everybody I'm talking to, when, when they share with, with me what's going on, I think their heart is damaged. Is everything okay with your heart? Are you mad at anyone? Are you waiting for someone to come to you to make things right? Huge indication that there's damage in your heart. Oh, this one is so me. Have you had any extended imaginary conversations with anyone lately? Oh, well, I would say this. And if they said this, I would say this. That's an indication that you have heart issues. Do things come out of your mouth on a regular basis that you have to apologize for? And you wonder, where did that come from? Have you secretly celebrated someone else's failure in the past several days? Or are you praying that they will fail and you get to see it? You have a heart problem. Do you have any secrets? To celebrate recovery, we say our secrets make us sick. If you got secrets, you have heart trouble. Is there a question you, you are praying no one ever asks you? Have you, secret, have you lied recently to someone you love? All of those things are indications of heart trouble. So as we begin this series, I want you to pray this out loud. Still heads bowed, eyes closed. I'll read a phrase and you, 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 say, you repeat it back to me. Heavenly Father, let's, let's all try to do this. Heavenly Father, teach me to guard my heart for everything I do flows from it. We're gonna do that again. Heavenly Father, teach me to guard my heart for everything I do flows from it. Father, I pray that you do some heart surgery on us. King David prayed, give me a pure heart and a right spirit. God, it's gonna take some honesty to, to deal with our own heart issues because there's a lot of hurt in this room. There are marriages that are on the verge of collapse. There are marriages that are beyond uncivil to, to almost scary. There are business relationships that are, that are not honoring you, God. There are parent-child relationships that are, that are damaged. And the guilt lies on both sides.
God, we gotta get some of this poison out and then, then teach us to, to monitor our hearts so that the way we live will become so attractive to the people we work with and we live next door to, we go to school with, that they'll say, what is it you have that allows you to not be damaged by the things of this world? And ultimately, more people can come into your kingdom. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I pray that you'll be with us over the next four weeks. Um, invite folks to come. It's okay to tag them on Facebook. Hey, watch this sermon. But I pray most of all that you'll be here. And I'm just gonna tell you that anytime God puts something on my heart that I feel like I'm supposed to share with this congregation, the enemy attacks me. So I'm gonna ask you to pray for me over this series as well. Um, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, I know that. But Satan doesn't want you free from your past. And that's what this series is about.